Thank you for being here this morning. It's an honor to be able to, to preach this morning. If you will, open your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter number 3. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. And I know at least for uh, a couple of the Sunday school classes today that this will actually go right along with the Sunday school lesson today that was in Jeremiah. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. Paul is, is addressing a young man, a young pastor, a young elder named Timothy, encouraging him in his faith, to encourage him to be strong in the word, to encourage him to be bold, to be courageous. Uh, Timothy apparently had a, a little bit of, of nervousness and everything, so he was, he was strongly encouraging him, giving him reasons why he should be encouraged. So this message, this particular passage today is addressed to Timothy back uh, almost 2,000 years ago. It was addressed to the churches back then, but it is also a message that we need to hear this morning as well. This passage is, is not just uh, f back from 2,000 years ago. This passage has the, the meaning, the application, has direct relevance and direct truth for us today here at Diamond Hill Baptist Church. 2 Timothy chapter number 3. I'll actually back up a few verses starting in verse number 10 first just to kind of give a little bit of context to it. After talking about as far as what the generation was like as far as they were rebelling against God, what the, what the last days would be like and, and how awful it would be, how they would be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And it gives a lot of different adjectives and everything as far as how wicked the generation will be. He encourages Timothy and says this in verse 10, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured, Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. This is what it's going to be like, Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The result, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for your word this morning. As we're going to see, Lord, how, how powerful and how effective it is. And how that we should be well acquainted with it ourselves. Be very familiar with it. Lord, may this be an encouragement today for those who who already know you, to continue on in the faith, to continue on in your word. And Lord, maybe there might be some here today that does not know you as of yet, that you would be working in their hearts even now, Lord, that they would place your, their faith and trust in you this morning. 
In Jesus' precious name, amen. So as we see here in this particular passage in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is addressing a young man, a young elder, a young pastor to continue on despite what might come their way, despite what persecutions might come, despite what afflictions might come, despite what other people might do and how they will, will constantly rebel against God and be all the adjectives that are mentioned in the first few verses of this particular chapter. He says, you, Timothy, continue on in your faith. Continue on in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Continue on in the calling that has been placed upon you. And this particular passage, I think, is, is specifically talking about as far as to the young man, the young elder, a young pastor this morning. But I think it has application for us all this morning to continue on in the faith. We're going to see this morning how that Paul tells Timothy to continue on despite the persecution that is coming. Because again, all who desire to live godly, they all will face persecution. And then he goes on in verse number 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Continue in, continue on in what you have learned and have firmly believed. This message this morning, this gospel message, this Bible this morning that, that gives us a description of who God is and, the, and how it is revealed in God's Word, it is something that we learn from. It, it is something that it is not just a sentimental feeling that we have about God. It is not just a sentimental feeling we have about Scripture this morning. It is something that is also it is an intellectual faith that we have. It is not merely intellectual, as we'll see, but it is, it is an intellectual faith. Continue in on what you have learned and have firmly believed. This faith that Timothy has is something that he has firmly believed in. It is not merely, again, just an intellectual faith. He has put his faith and trust in this particular message, this particular gospel this morning. He has put his complete faith and trust in. He has firmly believed it, knowing from whom you learned it. The question is, where did he learn this? Well, I think initially he learned it. He was acquainted from the scriptures from his mother and his grandmother. Earlier on in Timothy, it talks about he, how he learned his, his, the scriptures from his mother and his grandmother. And some of this, us this morning, that's where we initially learned a little bit about God's Word. We learned it from our particular family members. Some of us have been blessed to, to have had a godly family, or at least a godly family member. As for me, myself, I was blessed with a, a, a godly a godly father and mother, not perfect by any means, but they, I grew up basically in church from the time that I was born. I think by the time I was one week old, I was in the church nursery, and I, I grew up in the faith, grew up in, in the church family, grew up with a, a family that taught me right from wrong, that taught me what the gospel message actually was. And that the gospel message was not just a, a self-improvement message to have a better life, but the gospel message was for, for people who recognized the fact that they were sinners. And I, I'm thankful for the fact that from a, a relatively early age, I, I did not know everything obviously, but from a somewhat early age, I recognized the fact that I was a sinner in need of a Savior, and I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Timothy was at least, whether he became a believer from 
from childhood or not, or maybe as a, a young man, but he was at least acquainted with the scriptures. In fact, the, um, when you look at, um, I was reading several things about verse number 15 when it talks about acquainted with the sacred writings. There are several different commentators I read that talked about he probably learned actually the, the alphabet that he learned was from the Old Testament. And he, they taught him how to read by using the Old Testament. He was well acquainted with it. He was familiar with it. And at some particular time, the Holy Spirit would use that Bible knowledge and to convict him of his sins and where he put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He, continue, he says, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Continue in the gospel, remembering your godly example. For some of us this morning, we have had a godly example, whether it be a godly, godly family or at least a godly family member. Or for some of us, it might not be necessarily that, but we had a mentor to come on in our life later, showed us what the Bible message was all about. Uh, in this case, for, for Timothy, it was Paul himself. He had a godly heritage, he, he, and so Paul is telling Timothy to continue on the gospel, remembering your godly example. For some of us, we have that godly example today, and we need to thank God for that. For others, we might not have had that. For others, maybe we, we grew up in a family that did not recognize who Jesus was. Maybe for some of us, we grew up in a family that was just more nominal Christians, in-name only Christians. We maybe went to church from time to time because it was just kind of expected to do that. Maybe that was the culture you grew up in. Maybe for some of us this morning, you, you had absolutely nothing to do with the gospel message. You were not familiar with the Bible whatsoever. You, maybe you did not grow up in a family that taught it whatsoever. Maybe it was more of an atheistic culture. Maybe it was just something that was just, just neglected. And you say, well, I, I wish that we uh, had that godly heritage. I might not have that. But, but at some point, if you are a Christian here this morning, you have someone that is taught you the scriptures, taught you the way of Jesus Christ, and we need to be thankful for that. But more importantly, what I want to stress this morning is it want us to remember to continue in the gospel for those of us who have already saved. To continue in the gospel, remembering the nature of the scriptures itself. Because I think this is what this particular passage is talking about. What is this Bible that I hold in my hands and I hope that you are holding in your hands right now? What is this? Is it just a collection of stories? Is it, is it, just, a, is it just something to make us feel good? Is it just a, where did, this, where did this come from? Is it just man's opinions about what God has said? Is it, is it just something that, that man came up with himself? What is this book that we have here this morning? Is it just a, a group of man's opinions or is it something even greater? What does Paul have to say about God's word in this particular passage this morning? Notice, if you will, first of all, it says at the end of verse 15, how that from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, and notice what it can do, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is not just a book. This is something that can make you wise for salvation. It, it, it teaches us the way. 
And that way is found in Jesus Christ and in Him alone. It is able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If you remember what Romans chapter 10 talks about, faith comes by hearing. And by hearing what? By the Word of God, the Word of Christ. The Holy Spirit has a way to use His Word to produce, to create faith in a person's life where they are genuinely saved. If you are a believer in that this, in this this morning, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, remember that. If you do not know Him this morning, one of the ways that God uses is He, he uses His Word and His Spirit uses His Word to a to point out things in our life, to point out exactly who Jesus is and to show us our, our, the depths, the depravity of our sin and how we have so far rebelled against God, whether by uh, explicit actions or, or by what we might would think of as neglect, but we are guilty before a holy God. And God has a way of using His Word, by, by His Spirit, using His Word in our lives. Because God's Word is not something that is just a static book. Hebrews chapter 4 talks about His Word is, is living and active. It is powerful. It teaches us who Jesus is. And it teaches us the way of salvation, which is again through Jesus Christ alone. It makes you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 16. What else do we see about this scripture this morning? It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. It is all inspired by God. It is not just man's opinions. This word of God did not come from man alone. 2 Peter chapter 3. Um, uh, go ahead and turn to, uh, to 2 Peter if you will. Hold your place in 2 Timothy. And I wrote down the wrong particular passage. But um, go ahead and turn back to 2 Timothy. But Scripture and Peter, Peter talks about that Scripture is not of private interpretation. It is not something that, is, that, that man just comes up with his own and, and it can mean what you want it to mean. No, God's Word has a meaning behind it. And it's all scripture is breathed out by God. It is inspired. What does inspired mean? What does it mean when it says God breathed? Some people will, will take the uh, opinion of, well, scripture is inspired in such a way like, like Shakespeare was inspired whenever he, he wrote 
his particular plays like Romeo and Juliet and Julius Caesar and all those particular plays that he wrote. Shakespeare had a, he was just very creative. And so therefore, these biblical authors were very creative themselves in coming up with a message. But that is not what it means when it says that Scripture is God-breathed. By inspiration of Scripture, we mean that the supernatural influence of the Holy Spirit on the Scripture writers that rendered their writings an accurate record of the revelation or that resulted in what they wrote actually being the Word of God. We saw, uh, for some of us this morning in, in our Sunday school classes, we were in Jeremiah chapter 36 and talking about how that God told Jeremiah to write in a scroll a message to give to the, the people of Israel and in, in, in particular as far as to the king and his leaders. And it was exactly what it was the message, it, the message that God gave was exactly what he wanted him to give. And so Jeremiah wrote it down word for word exactly as God wanted it to be. It's not like Jeremiah even paraphrased the, the message. He did it exactly like God wanted. And that's what it talks about as far as God breathed. God used the personalities of these writers and everything, but it was to the exact message, the exact words that God would have to them to have. Whenever we hold up the word of God this morning, we have the words of God himself. All scripture is breathed out by God. And notice it says all scripture for us today, that would mean as far as from Genesis to Revelation. The Old Testament is just as inspired and just as profitable as the New Testament. We are not, as some have said, to unhitch ourselves from the Old Testament. All of Scripture is God-breathed. All of Scripture is necessary. All of Scripture is is inspired. Well, the question that you, some of you might have is this. How do we know that it's just what we have as the 66 books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation? Because there are some groups of people that will say that there are other books of the Bible. For example, um, as far as the Catholic Bible, if you look at a Catholic Bible, they have these 66 books of the Bible. But in between the Old and New Testament, they have another group of, Bible, group of books called the Apocrypha. And they say that that is the Bible too. How do we know that that is not part of the Bible and this is? There are other reported, purported writings that have been found that some will say that should be scriptures too. Certain of what is called the Gnostic Gospels, the Gospel of Thomas, etc. How do we know that what we have is divinely inspired and preserved and not some of those other books that some other religious groups will teach? I'm not going to go all into it today. Let me give you a couple resources to check out if you are... And I would hope that all of you are at least interested in this because it is very important. Because if you go to certain colleges today, universities today, 
If they're not Christian, typically they will be teaching, uh, they, they will even have Old Testament, New Testament classes and stuff. But they are not teaching what the Bible actually is. And they will even teach as far as some other sources are just as quote-unquote legitimate as this. And they will teach that these scriptures here are, are not divinely inspired. If you go even to our community college this morning, uh, go to our community college, I'm assuming they still have Bible classes. I know in the past, and I'm assuming they still do, are not teaching the truth when it comes to what this Bible actually is. They'll talk about it just being a collection of stories. They'll talk about a lot of the miracles did not actually happen. They'll talk about the resurrection did not literally happen. But how do we know? How can we put our, our trust in this? Let me just give you a couple books to check out. One, if you are not certain yourself, if you want to have more background as far as where did, we, where did this Bible come from and how we can put implicit trust in this. Let me give you just a couple uh, small books to read. One is Why Trust the Bible by Greg Gilbert. Uh, it's, it's a fairly thin book. It, it's written, it, it's, it's scholarly, but written on a layman's level to where if you know, might not have a whole lot of knowledge, it will be something that would be very helpful. Why Trust the Bible by Greg Gilbert. Another one would be Taking God at His Word by Kevin DeYoung. Another is a scholarly book, but it's not written with a lot of scholarly language. It's written for, the, for overall the everyday layman. So check out those books if you will. If it's something that you're curious about yourself, or if you have a firm grasp upon what this scripture is, but you know of a friend, a family member that is having questions. Maybe you have a, a, a child or a grandchild going to a secular university and they might not be taught, being taught what this word of God actually is. It can be helpful to go through with them. It can be helpful, again, to, to see what scripture has to say for itself. Because if you look... When it says all scripture is breathed out by God, it's interesting to note that Paul already recognized what scripture was when it came to the Old Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 18, Paul would actually quote two different uh, places in the Bible that were scripture. And he uses it as an illustration. First, he quotes from Deuteronomy. You know what the second book he quote from? Luke written just a few years beforehand. And he shows that Paul is recognizing, even at that particular time, he recognizes the fact that it is a scripture. Peter himself would recognize that Paul's writings were scripture. Peter would talk about how that some people would, would twist the scriptures for their own purposes. And he talks about how that's some scripture is even hard to understand like some of the Apostle Paul's. What is he doing? Peter's saying that Paul's writings is scripture. So it's not something that, it was, that they didn't know for hundreds and hundreds of years what scripture was. They were even knowing at this particular time what they had. Jesus himself, whenever he lived on this earth, would point out to the fact he constantly would talk about, have you seen, have you read what Scripture has to say? And then he would quote Scripture time and time and time and time again. He talks about, have you not read the Scripture where it says such and such? 
Do you not recognize the power of Scripture? Jesus recognized what Scripture was. So it's not something that men came up with hundreds and hundreds of years later and said, well, I think this is Scripture and this is not Scripture, etc. They just confirmed what, what the biblical writers were saying all along. All Scripture, it is breathed out by God. The exact message, the exact words that he would have to say. It's not just the thoughts that are inspired, but it is the very words themselves that are inspired. It is breathed out by God. And notice, it is also useful or profitable. We continue in the gospel remembering the nature of Scripture itself and how that it can make us wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and how that we recognize the supernatural nature of it and the fact that it is inspired, but also the fact that it is useful, it is profitable. Something can be true and you might say, well, that, that statement is true, but so what? But Scripture is not only true, but it is also profitable for many things. First off, you notice it says it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Some have said this when it talks about this phrase. It is profitable for doctrine, what is right, for reproof, what is not right, for correction, how to get right, and for instruction, for training in righteousness, how to stay right. Others will talk about, as far as, uh, we'll, we'll divide this, these words up into two different categories, about rep- uh, teaching and reproof having to do with doctrine. And how that all scripture breathed out and is profitable for teaching, for doctrine. It is, it is profitable for each and every one of us when we hear the word of God preached and taught, whether it be as far as at the pulpit, in our classroom, whether it be in a Bible study, in a home, whether it be discipling one another one by one or whatever, it is profitable for teaching. Whenever we get together to hear, to study God's Word, we come to hear and study God's Word, not our, our opinions about what things are, are about, not as far as the, 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 the politics for today or, or anything like that, not for opinions, but we study Scripture and it is profitable. It is useful for teaching, for doctrine. Doctrine is not an ugly word. Doctrine is very important. Teaching is very necessary. Doctrine is not something just for the scholars. Doctrine is not something just for the pastors, the elders, the deacons, whatever, the Sunday school teachers. Doctrine is necessary for each and every one of us. It is the teaching about who God is and what he has done. The doctrine of scripture about how he has revealed himself to us. The doctrine of salvation, how that there is no other name in which we must be saved but in Jesus Christ alone. It is not just, it is not, doctrine should not be dry whatsoever. Why? Because as someone mentioned in our class this morning, truth is not just a concept. Truth is a person and that person is, that truth is embodied in Jesus and Jesus Christ himself. All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for what is not right. 
If it's talking, I believe, specifically as far as talking about the Scripture itself, Scripture is useful to get us, to show us in our lives where we are wrong and how to get back to the right path. Whenever we read Scripture, we should not approach Scripture this way. Well, I like this particular passage because I really like this, this promise in the Scripture, and I'm going to apply it to my life. I want to repeat it. I'm going to write it down on an index card and stuff like that. But then the, these particular, I'm, I'm just going to kind of, uh, I'm not really into that. I really like this verse here, and I'm just going to concentrate on this verse to the exclusion of some of these other verses. No, we take Scripture as a whole. We read it whenever it gives us delight, and we read it whenever it gives us conviction. We do not just skip and read the parts of Scripture that we like. That's why one of the things is... It's, it's very good to read through the Bible. In, I was going to say in one sitting. That, that might be a little too much. But read through the Bible consistently, regularly. Reading through books of the Bible. Because when we do that, we're going to come across passages that we might not quite understand and to where we need to study more about it. Study what exactly is it teaching. Ask the Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see what it's saying, what it means. But we're going to come across passages of Scripture that are going to start to convict us if we're, if we're going to read the Bible regularly in a consistent way, not in just a pick and choose a little bit here and a little bit there. In fact, it is, for some of us, we've been going through the book of Jeremiah. And we talked about today how, how that the king at that particular time heard God's words read that the prophet Jeremiah had recorded on a scroll and he did not like that particular message. So what did he do? He didn't just outright ignore it. He actually literally burned, cut the scripture, cut the scroll and then placed it in the fire. Why? Because he did not like the message. That's not how we should approach scripture though. We do not approach scripture as, oh, I like this particular passage and I don't like this particular passage, so I'm just kind of going to either ignore it or, or not try to study it. I'm not going to read it. No, we take it as a whole. All Scripture breathed out by God. It is profitable for teaching and for reproof. The Holy Spirit uses Scripture to convict us of sins that we have committed, are committing, and then He will show us that it's something that we need to repent of. To turn around and go from one way, turn around into the opposite direction to the other way. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof. Again, I think this reproof might also be talking about as far as um, Scripture itself and, and the, the fact that, again, it, it reproves us. It, all, it, it shows us where we are wrong. It shows us where we are leaning into our heretical beliefs. There's a lot of heresies out there today. There are heretical teachings out there today that we might not be heretics in ourselves, but if we're not careful, can fall into certain teachings that are actually heretical, that are not actually based on Scripture. might be based on part of Scripture, but not full Scripture. It is, scripture is 
profitable, it's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction. Again, showing us where we are wrong in our life and getting us back on the right way. I think that this correction for training in righteousness is talking about our conduct itself. Getting us back on the straight and narrow path. It is profitable, for useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. For training in righteousness. One person wrote this, The righteousness that has come to the believer by faith is actualized by the training of God's word. In some, the God-breathed word is, quote-unquote, useful for all of life, all doctrine and all duty, all creed and all conduct, everything. Whether it be the epistles that Paul has written or some of the other epistles, whether it be the poetry of, of Psalms and Proverbs, whether it be the narratives in the Old Testament, whether it be prophecy, the apocalyptic language of Revelation, all of it is profitable. All of it is useful. All of it is breathed out by God. All scripture breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And notice what happens next. That what is the result? That the man of God may be complete may be mature, equipped for every good work. Now I think in context that this man of God here is specifically talking about pastor elder. But application-wise, I do believe that it does have some application as far as for the man, the woman of God, that they would be mature, equipped for every good work as well. But, but more specifically in reference to the pastor elder. The most important, one of the, the most important qualities, and it's absolutely necessary for the pastor elder to have, is for his knowledge of God's word. Not for a Bible trivia thing, but to actually be able to see what it actually has to say about God and how it applies to our life. And to be able to help others to see that as well. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. As some of you know, um, I have, um, over the last few years, been in contact with, with certain churches and have preached for them, etc. Um, have been interviewed by, by certain, whether it be, quote unquote, a pastor search committee or, or things like that quite a few times, whether it be in person, face-to-face, etc. What is striking to me with many, not all, but with many of those who are looking for a pastor, and so they interview, wanting to see if I'm quote-unquote the right fit or not, is how little questions I get when it comes to actual Bible doctrine. Or when it get, what, what do I believe about the Bible? What do I believe about salvation? What do I believe about who Jesus really is? What do I believe about all the, sometimes I hate to use the word, uh, uh, essential doctrines and uh, uh, not superficial. That's definitely not the word I'm wanting to look for, but uh, second level doctrines or whatever because it's all important. But 
What do you believe? It's usually very superficial questions. Do you know what the number one question I get is when it comes to being interviewed for a church? It's this. What is your plan? What is your vision on how to grow our church? I hope you see what the issue with that is. There's, I mean, the, the, you do want to have a, a certain, as far as, uh, 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 as far as a plan per cetera. But ultimately, we don't grow the church. God grows the church. And certainly, we can have plans as far as for outreach, plans for how to share the gospel, all that. That 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 that's. But too many people are too concerned about just numbers. If the church is growing numerically, we're doing good. If the church is not growing numerically and it seems like you're diminishing, we might need a change of pastor. But what is Paul saying in here? He's telling Timothy, after saying what Scripture is and how effective it is and what it can do for you, Timothy, he says, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Why? It's his, his knowledge and on how he uses Scripture. That is primary. And then in chapter 4, the next few verses, he talks about, which we won't get into right now, but he talks about because the Word of God is what it is, then we do this. We preach the Word and all that it entails. What is this book here this morning? It is God's very inspired words. It is the words of truth, not the words of man. And it is useful. It is profitable for everything to mature us to where we become more and more like Jesus Christ. I pray that you recognize that this morning. If for some reason you don't or have doubts, please come see me. Please come see one of the other elders, and we will show you that you can literally place your confidence in this word, and more, most importantly of all, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and in him alone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your word this morning. We're thankful that we can trust it implicitly without wavering, without doubting. Lord, help us to be studious of your word, not, to, not for self-improvement, but for that we would be transformed from the inside out and that we would know not just about you, but know you 
In Jesus' name, amen.